The following is a presentation of the All Andy Alford Network, powered by Anchor. You are listening to Andy tonight on the plethora of platforms on the Anchor Network, whether it be on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Bleaker. However you listen, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so much for tuning into the program tonight. You can always be a part of our show by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyElford. It is at AllAndyElford and Facebook.com slash AllAndyElford. Hundred and ten days ago, baseball was played in downtown Toledo. A minor league ball club by the name of the Toledo Mudhens donned the field in hopes of capturing the Governor's Cup. Unfortunately, the season ended early for the Mudhens, and a new manager stepped into the role. However, in 2020, the season was a wash because of COVID-19. A terrible, terrible epidemic and pandemic caused the season to be canceled and the ballpark to sit dormant for 365 days. Then New Hope came around the corner as Mudhen Baseball returned and was announced for return in April. However, Major League Baseball has decided to change the plans and to have opening day in May. where we get to today. The peanuts have been turned. The popcorn's been popped. The kegs have been filled. Social distancing platforms have been made. Seats have been roped off. The swap shop is sewing out of Mudhand merchandise. Tickets are flying out the door. Fans are headed into the fifth third field. And we have you covered right here. Because after all, opening day at fifth third field, and oh, what a sight! The diamonds, the decorations. And the beginning of another losing season. The Tigers were swept in the Bronx. While Cleveland takes 2-3 on the south side of Chicago. And the Reds battle the north side Cubs. And lose a relief pitcher because of it. The Jackets fall in overtime. But in front of 4,000 plus fans today. At Fifth Third Field, enjoying a beverage inside and outside of the ballpark, they toast a big victory for the Mudhens today, as this is a special post-game edition 
of all Andy Alfred right here on the Anchor Network. Guess who's back? All Andy Alfred. And a shot at a goal. 24 runs in the span. I'm going shut out. Go! Jack. That's way back. Put some extra relish on my hot dog. Bear down, Chicago Bears. Choo choo, it's time for all Andy Alfred. And with that, I say, I love you guys, and welcome into another edition, a special post game edition. Of all, Andy Alfred coming to you live from the Man Cave Studios here in East Toledo, Ohio. And you are listening to me on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network. Whether it be on Apple Music, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Bleaker, however you listen to the show. Wherever, whenever, and however you listen. I, I say from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Thank you for giving me your opp- the opportunity to give you... The time, your time, to listen to this podcast, to give you the updated news and notes around the sporting world, and so much more. So, welcome into the podcast. It is his opening day for baseball in downtown Toledo at 425 Washington Boulevard on the corner of Washington and Huron Street in downtown Toledo in the Warehouse District. Mudham Baseball has returned. We will recap tonight's game for you here in just a mere moment. Also, we'll talk about the Tigers as well as the Indians and Reds. We'll dive into the Jackets. The Jackets finishing up their season. The final three games going forward for their season is coming up. We'll talk about that. Also, we'll recap the Lions and the Browns draft as well. And then Andy Ranch, you can't afford to miss. Like he said, you could be a part of, but you could be a part of this show. By following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyAlfred. It is at AllAndyAlfred. As well as Facebook.com slash AllAndyAlfred. So welcome in. Couple news and notes to pass along to you. Of course, we will be in Columbus tomorrow night. The Jackets taking on Nashville. We're going to tape a few segments down in Columbus. uh, Get some reactions from fans from this season. I uh, will have that taped for you guys, and we'll play that on Friday's edition of All Andy Alfred as we will recap the Jackets game on Wednesday night as well as previewing their game against the Red Wings Friday night. Also, we'll recap a little bit of what the Mudhens are planning on doing uh, in the next two days as well as what's happening on the Diamond. Uh, programming note as well, too, it's going to be a late show for Friday night. Um I have a family family um, family celebration going to be happening in the next couple of days. Is my sister, my younger sister Katie, is getting married. Uh, she's getting married this upcoming Saturday. I'm getting the opportunity to be somewhat being a part of the wedding. But me and the fiance are looking forward to being in this, being a part of her special day, and then she'll be a part of our special day coming in September. Uh, so that make note of that as well. So the Friday show will be a late show like this show is tonight. We are taping this podcast at 10.30 at night. But the Mudhang game has just ended downtown at Fifth Third Field. And a home run palooza in this game, folks, as uh, it is good to have baseball back in downtown Toledo. You know, we've had the scrimmages with the Tigers playing the Reds and the Pirates and the Cubs 
and playing the Indians with no fans in the stands, by the way. Um, playing all these teams, it's good to see, you know, those games didn't count. They're exhibition games. They were just simulated games, spring training games. Now these games matter. We play 60 home games, 60 road games. It's 120 games. We end the season in mid-September. And let me just tell you, it is just good to have baseball back in downtown Toledo. And it was prevalent that the fans were there. I got a chance to walk through downtown this afternoon before the game. And, you know, it was an electric atmosphere. They were out early at 8.30 in the morning in one of the, t- in one of the parking lots tailgating for opening day. They had uh, what I was hearing, eggs and sausage on the grill. And then they cooked up hot dogs and hamburgers in the afternoon before they headed into the ballpark. It's a kind of their tradition. It's a lot of people's tradition. Opening day for in Mudhead in downtown Toledo is a traditional spot. Um, it is, you know... One of those days where it is officially a city holiday, in my opinion, because everybody goes down to the ballpark and, you know, either has a glass to drink or they sit and watch the ball game and they enjoy it, you know, and this is, this is it right here. This is the start after the long year that we've had with COVID-19 and battling COVID-19. We deserve a day like today, and it was good to have one of those days. Unfortunately, though, when we get to my Andy Rants later in this program, I have a few things to tell you people, so bear in mind with that. But opening day, fifth, third field, a great crowd on hand, uh, socially distanced, of course. They only had 3,510, and that is the capacity that they can have for a Mudhen game for opening day. As the Mudhens took on the Nashville Sound, the AAA farm team of the Milwaukee Brewers. As it was the Brew Crew AAA farm team coming into the game. Limbone for the for the Sound making the start in this game today. And he went pretty strong. Only went two innings pitched as the as it was a strong game for him. He, he pitched pretty well, and it was, like I mentioned, a home run palooza when it comes to the game. In the third inning, it broke really the score open. Nashville had three runs in that in that inning. All were homers. Peterson and Peterson winning his first of the season off of Manning, Eric Manning's first start as a as a mud hen this season. Get to see him on the mound. But it was Peterson in the third inning, and then in the fourth, it was Feliciano making it four nothing after 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 three and a half innings. The Mudhens then tallied into the third inning in that fourth inning with with some dingers of themselves. It was Maraza his first of the season, and then Nunez hitting a home run too, making it making it a four uh, three ball game, and then. Another home run hit for Nashville in that top half of the fifth inning. It was hit off by Fisher, his first of the season, off of Manning. Manning getting roughed up, but the Mudhens did rally and get five runs in the sixth inning. And that put the icing on the cake as the Mudhens getting their first win of the season, beating the Nashville Sound by a score of 8-6 to six in the game. The winner of the winning pitcher is Ramirez. He goes to 1-0 with a 0 ERA. Andrews, the loss, he goes to 0-1 with a 0 ERA. Jimenez gets to save his first of the season for Manning in the game 
for the Mud Hens, he went five innings strong, six hits, five runs. Those five runs were earned, one walk, six strikeouts, three home runs in the game. For the Nashville Sound, it was Limbrom making a rehab start for the Nashville Sound. He's down on a rehab start for the Milwaukee Brewers. He went two innings pitch, no runs, no hits, no errors, one walk, two strikeouts in the game. And then it was Derby on the hill. He went two innings, four hits, three runs. Those three runs were earned, one walk, three strikeouts, and two home runs. His ERA is a 13.50. Andrews, by the way, his ERA, by the way, I forgot to mention, he went an inning and two-thirds pitch, three hits, five runs, four of which were earned, three walks, one strikeout, one home run. His ERA, a 21.6. So that is what the line looks like today. It was a time of three hours and ten minutes. And like I mentioned, 3,510 in the in the stands at Fifth Third Field. The final line, the the sounds had six runs on nine hits, three errors in the game for the Mud Hens. Eight runs on eight hits, one error in the game. So the Mud Hens going to one and zero on the season. It's good to see the Hens getting on the right swing of things. As it was good, and by the way, Christian Stewart also homering in the game. And putting the icing on the cake for the Mud Hens. And Stewie had a big three run bomb in that game in the game today. So the Mud Hens getting a big eight to six win. So they will be back at it tomorrow night. Six thirty pitch first pitch. It'll be Hutchison on the hill for Toledo. It will be Jenkins for the sound. Thursday, a six thirty five first pitch. It will be Hardy versus Shore. Seven oh five first pitch on Friday. The Sound have not yet named a starter for the game on the 7th. Uh, it will be Garcia on the hill for the Mud Hens. Saturday sees Ashby on the hill, 5.05 first pitch. He'll take on Peralta Sunday. Both teams have not yet named starters. The first pitch is at 2.05. So the Mud Hens on the right page. And it's good to have baseball back. It's good to see people back in the stands at 5th Third Field. Looking at some scores from around the IL today, besides the Mud Hens, as it was opening day for International League Baseball, the Clippers a big 6-3 win over the Louisville Bats. It was Rochester, uh, excuse me, it was Syracuse a 5-2 win over the Scranton Wilkesbury Rail Riders. Buffalo a 6-1 win over the Worcester, Worcester Red Sox. Uh, Norfolk loses to Jacksonville by a score of 11 to 5. The Barnstormers of Iowa beat St. Paul 8 to 2. It was the Indianapolis Indians getting a 3 nothing win over the Iowa Cubs. Uh, as we're doing the podcast right now, they're in the top of the ninth inning, tied at 8 between Gwinnett and Charlotte. Top of the 11th inning in Lehigh Valley. It's Rochester 5, Lehigh Valley 4. Top of the 4th in Memphis right now. It's Memphis 4. Durham four. So you look at what the Mud Hens roster looks like. Their 30-man roster looks like this for this season. Uh, make mention of this. Um, some names of, of course, Drew Hutchinson, of course. Joe Jimenez is going to make the make a start. Matt Manning making a good start today, of course, like I mentioned before. Uh, Logan Shore. Uh, in the catching realm, it is Jake Rogers and Eric Haas, as well as Brady Plachek and uh, Dustin Grenou. The infielders will be uh, Ricardo Nunez, uh, Isaac uh, Zeke Perez, uh, Daniel Perro, 
Adrian Rodriguez, Zach Short, and Cody Clemens. Yes, that's Cody Clemens, the son of Roger Clemens. By the way, Roger was in the ballpark today to see his son. Out in the outfield, it was Daz Cam- It's going to be Daz Cameron, Derek Hill, Nomar Mazzara, Kristen Stewart, and Danny Woodrow. And Thomas Price getting his first chance to manage this team. And by the way, Mike Hessman is the hitting coach of this team. So it's good to see the the kid, the Hall of Famer, out and playing. And I, I mean, I like this team. Uh, we've got four of the, excuse me, eight of the top 100 prospects, according to MLB, for the Tigers playing with this team. So it's, you know, this is a feeder pipeline. And hopefully that, you know, these kids get a get a get a great chance to perform well here in Toledo, which will propel the Tigers to perform well, hopefully in the near future. But it was great to have baseball back in downtown Toledo tonight, and it was great to see the Mud Hens back in action. And we, right here on All ADL, we're going to be covering you with the Mud Hens, of course. The Mud Hens will be not a full front coverage here, of course. We'll talk about them, but... We'll talk to the, about them after we talk about Major League Baseball, of course, because AAA, Major League, you know, these Major Leagues are kind of big. And by the way, Minor League Baseball, it will be f- basically six games against opponents in six days, and they will go on the road and play. It will be vice versa, vice versa, vice versa. So you'll never have a 12-game homestand when it comes to things. And like I said, 60 games at home, 60 games on the road, which equals to 120 games, and we will get into the playoffs after the third week of September. So we're looking forward to that, and we're looking forward to giving you coverage right here on All Andy Alford. As you're listening to All Andy Alford tonight on the post-game edition of Mud Hens Opening Day right here on the Anchor Network. And now let's dive into the major leagues and... Oh, Let's talk about the Tigers. Oh, man, they've got some trouble. As the Tigers went into the Bronx to take on the New York Yankees, and Yankees coming off a big series win against the Indians, they looked at the Tigers, and they feasted on the Tigers. And it all started on set on Friday night. The Tigers could not get anything over the plate, but it was all New York in the Bronx, the Yankees beating up on the Detroit Tigers by a score of 10 to nothing. Garrett Cole, outstanding performance by the ace of the staff of the New York Yankees. And Judge just hammering the Detroit Tigers with two home runs hit in the game. His sixth and seventh of the season. Clint Frazier, his second home run of the season. Aaron Hicks, his fourth. Odor, his fourth of the season. As Scoville gets the loss, he goes to 0-4 with a 6.14 ERA. For Scoville, he went three innings, five hits, four runs. Those four runs were earned, two walks, one strikeout, three home runs he gave up. For the Yankees and Garrett Cole, a gem of a performance, six innings pitch, four hits, no runs, none earned, no walked, 12 strikeouts in the game as it was all Yankees as they beat the Detroit Tigers by a score of 10 to nothing. So I look at that game and I'm like, man, and I'm with my fiance. I'm like, man, 
They just got to bounce back. And they bounced back somewhat on Saturday, but they just couldn't get the win. As it was the Yankees getting a 6-4 win Saturday night as they took on the Saturday afternoon as they took on the Yankees and the Bronx. And it was a 6-4 win for the Yankees in this one. It was a towel in the win. He goes to 1-2 with a 5.24 ERA. Uh, Turnbull, the loss, he goes to 1-2 with a 4.50 ERA. Aronis Chapman getting the save, his fifth of the season. It was the Candyman, James Candelario, his second home run of the season, and Nico Goodrum, his fourth of the season. For the Tigers, Turnbull, five innings pitched, five hits, four runs. Those four runs were earned. Three walks, one strikeout in the game. For the Yankees, Italian the win he goes to five he he goes to one and two with a five point two four ERA he went five innings pitch three hits one run that run was earned three walks eight strikeouts he gave up one home run that was the home run to Jamer Candelario in the game so the Yankees getting a big six four win they shut out the Tigers again on Sunday by a final score of two to nothing. The former ace of the staff of the Cleveland Indians, Corey Kluber, getting the win. He goes now to a 2-2 two two mark. He went eight innings strong, two hits, no runs, none earned, one walk, 10 strikeouts in the game. His ERA now a 3.03 ERA for the Tigers. It was Jurera on the hill. He went seven innings, pretty good outing for him. Three hits, two runs. Those two runs were earned, one walk, seven strikeouts in the game. For the Yankees in that game, it was no home runs hit by either team. By the way, Aronis Chapman, the save, his sixth of the season. So the Tigers are now in Boston playing probably the best team, I think, right now that is hot in the league. And we are now into the top of the ninth inning. Actually, it is now just getting ready to go final here. Here are the the Tigers are losing right now to the Boston Red Sox by a score of 11-7 as they are in the top of the ninth inning with two outs in the game. It has been a terrible night for the for the Tigers as it will be Castro, Willie Ca- uh, Wilson Ramos, Willie Castro, and Jacoby Jones, the 6-7-8 uh, and eight hitters batting in this lineup so we'll stay with you here in just a second Jacoby Jones homering his second of the season for the Tigers Michael Fulmer only winning two-thirds of an innings pitch four hits four runs two of which were earned one walk no strikeouts his ERA a 4.57 in the game they go to the bullpen and they have used four eight seven pitchers in total in this game today as uh excuse me it was scope Goodrum and Ramos hitting for the Tigers in the top half of the ninth inning. For the Red Sox in the game is Vogargo, his fourth. Bogars, his sixth. Renforth, his third. And it also Hernandez, his fourth of the season, all homering in this game. Uh, Pereira start going five innings strong, six hits, three runs. Those three runs were earned, two walks, eight strikeouts. His ERA, a 3.23 ERA. As it was, it is all Boston in this one tonight at Fenway Park. The Tigers will try to get back into it 
tomorrow night as it will be Casey Mize on the hill, 1-3 with a 5.06 ERA. He'll take on Perez, who is 0-2 with a 4.70 ERA. The Thursday game, the concluding game, will be Turnbull on the hill, 1-2 with a 4.50 ERA. He'll take on Evaldi, who is 4-2 with a 3.63 ERA. 110 start time for that game on Thursday. The Tigers then will head back home to play Minnesota. It will be uh, Chijurid getting his start, first start of the season for the Twins. It will take on Jacob Scoble, who is Jake Scoble, who is 0-4 with a 6.14 ERA. It is a final and Boston, the Boston Red Sox, a winner tonight by a score of 11 to seven. So now let's talk about the other team on the other side of the lake, and let's talk about the Indians. The Indians, a huge win, taking two or three on the south side of Chicago over the White Sox, and we'll start Friday night as it was Shane Beaver on the hill. He gets the win. He goes to three and two with a 2.76 ERA. Uh, Keiko, the loss, he goes to 0 and one with a 4.65 ERA. Klaus, the save, his fifth of the season as it was uh, Jose Ramirez homering for the Indians in the game. In this one, looking at the final stats for this game on Friday night, as it was Beaver going the length at six innings pitch, four, seven hits, three runs. Those three runs were earned. One walk, eleven strikeouts in the game for Keuchel in the game. Keuchel in the game, six innings pitch. Four hits, four runs. Those four runs were earned. Four walks and four strikeouts in the game. Uh, the home run was given up by Marshall, who went an innings pitch. One hit, one run. That run was earned with the one home run he gave up. As it was the Indians with a 5-3 win on Saturday. However, McKenzie's struggles continue. He could not... I, I This kid, I, I, I like this kid. In some aspects, but this kid is—he's got to have another year down in Columbus. He really, really does, and that's what the Indians need to do. And Tim Anderson connected and rocked on him and gave him gave up a grand slam home run in the top of the bottom of the second inning, and it was it blew the doors open five nothing after the after two innings of play. The Indians could never recover after that. As McKenzie gets the loss, he goes to 0-1 with a 6.27 ERA as the White Sox getting a 7-3 win over the Indians. Lynn, the win, he goes to 2-1 with a 1.82 ERA. Hodges for the Indians, his second of the season. And Tim Anderson with his grand slam, his fourth home run of the season. For McKenzie, he only went two innings pitch. He had one hit, five runs, all five of which were earned. Four walks, six strikeouts. He gave up the home run to Anderson. His ERA, a 6.27 ERA. Lynn, five innings pitch, four hits, three runs, three of which were earned, two walks, two strikeouts. He gave up a home run, and that was the home run to Hodges in the game, which is Hodges' second of the season. So the Indians could not get the win on Saturday. We get to Sunday, and the Indians getting a big win, and they get it from Plesak. As they shut out the pale hose on the south side of Chicago and take two of three from the White Sox on Sunday by a score of five to nothing. Plesak, a good performance, gets the win. He goes to two and three with a 4.78 ERA. Lucas Giolito, the loss. He goes to one and two with a 4.99 ERA. Cesar Hernandez homering his second of the season. And Jose Ramirez, his eighth of the season. No home runs hit for the White Sox because they were shut out. 
Like I mentioned before, Plesek, five and two-thirds innings pitch, three hits, no runs, none earned, four walks, six strikeouts in the game. In that one, his ERA of 4.78 ERA for Lucas Giolito. Five and a third, five hits, two runs, one of which was earned, three walks, eight strikeouts. He gave up home run, the home run, to Hernandez. So now Cleveland had the, continued their road trip. They head now into Kansas City. And they get a big win on Monday night by a score of 8-6 to six over the Kansas City Royals. They got that Kansas City barbecue right there. Brad Shaw, the win, he goes to 1-0 with a 2.91 ERA. Judas Loss, he goes to 1-2 with a 5.04 ERA. Uh, Klaus to save his sixth of the season. It was a home run parade for both teams. It was, it was uh, Eddie Rosario, his third home run of the season for the Indians. Josh Naylor, his first of the season. Uh, Merrifield, his fourth for the Kansas City Royals. And uh, Dozier, his fourth of the season for the Indians in the game. It was on the bump. Cervelli, five and two-thirds, seven hits, three runs, three of which were earned, three walks, two strikeouts. He gave up the one home run, that home run to Merrifield in the game. Uh, but it was Shaw the win. He gets an inning pitch, one hit, two runs. Those two runs were earned, two walks, one strikeout. His ERA, a 2.19 ERA. For the Royals in the game, it was uh, Lynch getting the start. He went four and two-thirds, four hits, three runs. Those three runs were earned, four walks, three strikeouts, no home runs hit in the game. And like I said, Junius the loss. He goes to one, he pitched an inning in two-thirds, four hits, five runs, five of which were all earned, all five of which were earned, one walk, two strikeouts, and two home runs hit in the game. And Judas was the one that gave up the home run to Rosario and Naylor in that one. So the Indians are on the action right now. They are in the bottom of the seventh inning. The Indians and the Royals are tied at three apiece right now. Uh, no home runs hit for the Indians in the game. For the Royals, it was Perez, Salvador Perez, his seventh of the season. Looking at for the Royals, Miner on the hill. He's he's gone five and two thirds. He went five and two thirds innings, three hits, three runs, all of which were earned, three walks and three strikeouts. His ERA a five point two three. ERA for the Indians in the game is was Mountain starting for them. He only went an inning in the third, giving up two hits, one run. That run was earned, one walk, and three strikeouts in this one. Hedges winning three in the third, six hits, two runs, all of which were earned, two walks, and two strikeouts. He gave up the home run to Salvador Perez. So the Indians and the Royals tied at three apiece, bottom of the seventh inning, going into the eighth inning as we speak after tonight's game. It will be Shane Bieber on the hill. It will take uh, who's three and two with a two point seven six ERA. He'll take on Singer, who's one and three with a three point zero nine ERA. That game at eight ten start time for that one tomorrow night. And then the concluding game will be Danny Duffy on the hill for Kansas City. He's four and one with a point six zero ERA. He'll take on McKenzie, who is zero and one with a six point two seven ERA. Two ten start time for that one. And then the Indians will welcome in. The Cincinnati Reds. So that's the AL look. Let's take a look at the National League circuit. And let's talk a little bit about the Reds. A huge weekend for the Reds as they took on the north side version of who the Indians were facing on the south side. They were taking on the Cubs. And I got a little bit of a bone to pick. So the Reds welcomed in the Chicago Cubs. And they take two of three from the Cubs. And a huge win. Huge win for this early on in the season because the Cubs are 
The Cubs right now are on a slow pace, and they're they're dead now in last place in the division. We'll talk about where they rank in the standings right now after this series against the Red Legs. But let's start with Friday night. The Reds getting a big eight to six win over the Cubs. A huge win in my aspect for the Cub against for the Reds against the Cubs. And you you look at their that win on Friday night, and it was all in the long ball department. Suarez, Mejia Suarez, his fourth of the season, Sensel his first, but it was history made on Friday night as Joseph Votto homering a two-run bomb in the third inning to get the Reds a 3-2 lead. It is his 300th home run. As a Cincinnati Red, congratulations, Joey. You deserve it. Absolutely deserve it. His 300th career home run as a Cincinnati Red. And it was off of Jake Arrieta. And Arrieta is a really good pitcher. Uh, uh, Chris Bryant homering for the Cubs. His seventh of the season as the Reds a big 8-6 win over the Cubbies. Miley the win. He goes to 3-2 and two with a 2.67 ERA. Arietta, the loss, he goes to 3-3 three and three with a 4.31 ERA. Anton, the save, his first of the season for Miley in the game. He went five innings pitch, five hits, two runs, two of which were earned, two walks, three strikeouts. He gave up one home run, that home run to Chris Bryant. It was Arietta, the loss, he goes three and a third, seven hits, seven runs, all of which were earned, one walk, two strikeouts. He gave up all three home runs in the game. His ERA now a 4.31 ERA. Now we get to Saturday. Now Saturday's game was an interesting one. Uh, 4.10 start time. Great game. Um, the Cubs finding a way and getting the win by a score of 3-2. to two. Uh, brothers, the win, he goes to one and zero with a 3.48 ERA. Luis Castillo, the loss, he goes to one and three with a 6.07 ERA. Craig Kimball, the save his fifth of the season, but no home runs hit in the game. But unfortunately in the eighth inning of this game, the benches cleared as it was, uh, Avir, uh, Garrett going after Javier Baez in an argument over in center out against each other and the benches clear again at Great America Ballpark for the second time this season a different opponent this time uh first it was Castellanos with the Pirates with the with the Cardinals my apologies and now it's Garrett with the Cubs and again they go at go at it and they're arguing and yelling and pushing and shoving Baez the league comes out today and Baez is assessed a fine. A fine, okay? You want to guess what Garrett gets? A seven-game suspension for inducing a bench-clearing brawl. If it's anything else, Baez should be getting a suspension because of this. This is, again, another failed attempt by Rob Manford and the Player Safety Committee. I have to say this again. The Cassiano situation with him stretching and going and cheering himself and pumping himself up for getting to home plate, 
That is absolutely ridiculous that you have to suspend him for three games just to get his team pired up and pumped up because he stood over the pitcher for a pass ball. That's one thing. But now this, Garrett gets suspended for inducing, where Baez was also inducing at the same time. Baez should be getting at least a five-game suspension because of this. But no, Major League Baseball has decided to say, oh, you know, we're just going to... We're going to go with the guy that really started the whole damn thing. And that's Garrett. And we're going to give him a seven-game suspension. You know? We'll do it that way. You can't do that. You have to be... It has to be even even keel, no matter what the situation is. Garrett wasn't involved with the Castellanos situation. Castellanos got three games. Why can't you give Garrett three games? Plain and simple. And I think it's ridiculous that the league is, you know arguing about is giving players suspensions willy-nilly here and there when they can't even get the umpires to get the strike zone in the right time. I was watching tonight, what was it? I was watching the Astro, the Trash Bangers versus the Yankees, and it was Lance Diaz at at behind the plate, or Angel Hernandez, I forget which umpire it was. There was two straight pitches that were definitely in the strike zone. He calls balls, and... Are you kidding me? You can't do that in this league. You can't just call balls and strikes when you really want to. And I know it's the Astros, but but God, you got to call it fair. 50-50 long ways. We're, you're, this is showing what favoritism is when it comes to baseball. Plain and simple. And it's just it's just ridiculous. Garrett should not have been suspended for seven games. Yes, I know he did something wrong, but honest to God, it shouldn't be seven games. Three games minimum, plain and simple, for a relief pitcher to have seven games. That's at least eight to seven to eight days of him not doing any contact. That's going to hurt the Reds in the long run. So plain and simple is this. The league got it wrong. Plain and simple. And Rob Manford, I you you should be ashamed for the players committee for this. Players rules committee and the players safety committee for this. Because Garrett should not have gotten seven games when Suarez, all he gets after he flips off the can flips people the players off right in front of the camera. You really want him to be like that, and you give him a fine where Garrett is the one that's arguing and yelling? And he gets seven games? That's not right. Absolutely not right. And I think it's absolutely wrong. Absolutely wrong. Plain and simple. Come off my pedestal for a second. Sunday, however, the Reds did get the big series win as it was a... It felt like the Bears were playing the Bengals at Great American Ballpark as it was a high-scoring game that got you into the 10th inning. Nick Castellanos with a walk-off single to center field, propelling the Reds to a 13-12 win over the Chicago Cubs. Long balls galore. It was a home run hitting paradise. As Hendricks gets the win, he goes to 2-0 with a 0 ERA. Kimball the loss, he goes to 0-1 with a 0 ERA. Uh, for the Cubbies in the game, 
Chris Bryant, two home runs hit in the game, his eighth and ninth of the season. Anthony Rizzo, his fifth of the season. Javier Baez, homering in the game, his seventh of the season. And Ian Happ, his second of the year. For the Red Legs, it was Nick Castellanos homering twice in the game, his eighth and ninth of the season. Mike Moustakas homering his third of the season. Eugenio Suarez, his fifth. And Tucker Barnhart homering for the Red Legs, his third of the season. For the Reds in the game, it was Malley on the hill. He went five innings strong, nine hits, six runs. He had six. He gave up all six. All six were earned. No walks, five strikeouts. He gave up three home runs in the game. For the Cubs, it was Williams on the hill. He only went two and two-thirds, six runs, all of which were earned. Four walks, two strikeouts. He also gave up three home runs in the game. The Indi- the Reds, a big two out of three out of the Cubs with the big 13-12 win on Sunday afternoon. So they had a day off yesterday. They are back in action tonight against the the pale holes of the south side and the White Sox shut out the Reds that has just gone final by a score of nine to nothing. It was Hoffman the loss for the Reds. He goes to two and two with a four point three nine ERA. Cease the win he goes to two and zero with a two point three seven ERA. Jose Abreu homering for the White Sox his sixth of the season for the Reds in the game. It was Hoffman winning two in the third innings pitch, five hits, four runs, four of which were earned, one walk, four strikeouts. He gave up one home run, the home run to Abreu in the game. For the White Sox, it was Cease going six innings, one hit, no runs, none earned, three walks, 11 strikeouts in this game. They will play tomorrow afternoon, 12.35 first pitch. It will be Keuchel on the hill, 1-1 one one with a 4.65 ERA. He'll take on Sonny Gray, who is looking for his first win of the season at 0-2 with a 5.93 ERA. Looking at other news and notes around Major League Baseball before we get into the standings going into tonight's, into today's game. It is, like I mentioned before, opening day for Major League Baseball. It looks like DeGrom is out with an injury. This could be wrong. It could be a long injury for him. Uh, looking at some other news and notes, of course. Uh, Ronald Acuna is the first to 10 home runs in 2021. You also have uh, Bueller making a strong outing in a key relief for the Marlins. Uh, Also looking at it injury-wise, it looks like uh, Gregory Polanco has been placed on the IR for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, George Springer is day-to-day with the Toronto Blue Jays. It also looks like um, Arnez is uh, is got a concussion. He looks like he's going to be on the IL for a while as well. So looking at the standings going into today's play, let's take a look at what it is right now. The American League first and foremost, and let's take a look at the Central Division. Kansas City is at the top spot at sixteen and eleven. In first place, the White Sox are 16-12, a half game out of first place with their win tonight against the Reds. The Indians are 14-13, two games out of first place. Minnesota is 11-17, five and a half games out of first place. And the Detroit Tigers right now are 8-22, and half games out of first place. In the AL East, Boston is 18-12 with their win tonight over the, over the Detroit Tigers. 
They are in first spot. The Blue Jays are 14 and 13, two and a half games out of first place. The Yankees 15 and 14, two and a half games out of first place. Tampa 15 and 15, three games out of first. Baltimore 14 and 15, three and a half games out of first place in the AL West. Oakland is in the top spot at 18 and 12. Seattle 16 and 14, two games out of first place. Houston is 15 and 14. Two and a half games out of first place. The Angels are 13 and 14, three and a half out of first. And the Texas Rangers are 14 and 17, four and a half games out of first place. And looking at the senior circuit, it looks like this. The uh, National League Central, the St. Louis Cardinals are on the top spot at 17 and 12. The Brewers are 17 and 13, a half game out of first place. The Reds are right there at 13 and 15, three and a half games out of first place. The Cubs are 13 and 16, four games out of first place. Pittsburgh is 12 and 16, four and a half games out of first place in the AL in the NL East. It's Philadelphia is at 500 at 15 and 15. Washington is 12 and 13, a half game out of first place. The Mets are a half game out of first place at 11 and 12. Atlanta is 13 and 16 and at a game and a half out of first place. And Miami is two games out of first place, 12 and 16 this season. And then the NL West, San Francisco is reading the division right now, which is a surprise by yours truly. They have won their last two. They're 6-4 and four in their last 10. They're 18-11 in top spot. The Dodgers are 17-13, and 13, a game and a half out of first place. The Padres are 7-13 as well, a game and a half out of first place. Arizona is 15-14, three games out of first place. And Colorado is 10-19, eight games out of first place place so that is what is happening in major league baseball for you right now as you are listening to a special post-game edition of all andy alford right here on anchor network whether it be on itunes spotify google Podcasts, however you listen wherever and whenever you're listening thank you for tuning in and now it's time let's time to break it out one of the last few times this season it's time to break out the jackets report it's time to fire the cannon And it's time to put on your jackets. It's time for the Jackets Report, right here on All Andy Alfred. Let's talk about the Blue Jackets, the team out of the capital city of Ohio, the Jackets in action this past weekend they went into their final road game of the season they took on the carolina hurricanes this past saturday night after a big breaking the schneid getting off the losing streak and they beat the red wings one to nothing in over in a shootout last tuesday night they then went into carolina into raleigh to battle the hurricanes who are surging as of late and it was the Jackets falling in overtime, getting another point, but it they couldn't get the second point as they lose 2-1 to one to the Carolina Hurricanes as Dougie Hamilton getting the goal in overtime. But let's recap the whole, whole game for you. It all started with Max Domi for the Blue Jackets, his eighth of the season from Oliver Bjorkstrand, and Eric Robinson made it 1-0 Jackets at the three-minute mark of the first period on a wrist shot and Tara Taravainen then at the 1844 mark of the first period, tying the game at one apiece. No goals were scored in the second or third. We get into overtime, and on a two-on-one breakaway, 
Dougie Hamilton beats Elvis Merslinkitz and uh, Netchikoff getting the assist. And that was the final at PNC Place in Raleigh, North Carolina. The Hurricanes, a big 2-1 win over the Columbus Blue Jackets. In the game, the Jackets were outshot 33-32. They also were the loser in the faceoff dot, 64% to 36%. Both teams over on the power play. The Jackets out hitting the Hurricanes in the game 26-17. They outblocked them 22-13. Giveaways were all Jackets. They had 10 giveaways to Carolina's 13 in the game. The Jackets had 9 shots in the first, 10 in the second, 11 in the third, only 2 in overtime for a total of 32. The Hurricanes had 13 shots on net in the first, 5 in the second, 12 in the third, and 3 in the overtime period. The three stars of the game, Otero, Otero Vinden, the number 3 star, Alex Nikachikov, his number 2 star, and Dougie Hamilton, the number 1 star. So the Jackets fall to the Carolina Hurricanes. They then, two days later, head back home for the final homestand of the season as they took on the Nashville Predators in front of a good crowd at Nationwide Arena on a Monday night. The Jackets had a lot of bright spots in this game, and, you know, they rallied back in this game. They absolutely rallied, and it was Emil Benstrom that rallied against this, against the Hurricanes. It was not the Hurricanes, but the Predators. It was the Emil Benstrom, three, the Predators, three, and you know where I'm getting at with this one. As, yes, it was all her, it was all Predators after the second period, after the end of the first period, as it was Philip Forsberg, his 12th of the season from Ryan Ellis and Ryan Johansson, making it one nothing, and then the former Jacket himself, Ryan Johansson, on the power play, beating Elvis Merzlinkitz by a score putting the Hurricanes up by two at two to nothing. Tolovan and Forsberg, the assist, and then Roman Yossi, a slap shot at the top of the point, beating Elvis Merzlinkitz, his seventh of the season from Ryan Ellis and Nick Cousins, making it three nothing after 40 minutes of play. And a lot of us Jacket fans thought, you know, this might be the end of the game right there. But Emil Benstrom puts the team on the back of his, on the, his back and buries Three consecutive goals, the natural hat-trick for the kid. His first, second, and third goals of the season. His third one was a power play goal. Tying the game at three, his first one was from Roslovic and Delzato. His second goal was from Gregorenko and Delzato. And his third was from Seth Jones and Roslovic. 3-3 after 60 minutes of play. We go to overtime and Roman Yossi beating Elvis Merzlinkis in overtime by a score of 4-3 to three in overtime on a wrist shot beating Elvis. The, the three stars of the game, Philip Forsberg, the number three star, Roman Yossi, the number two star, and Emil Benstrom gets the number one star even though the Jackets fall to the Panthers, but it's not Panthers, but the Predators, by apologies, by a score of 4-3. to three. In the game, the Predators had 38 shots on net to Columbus's 32. In the faceoff dot, it was 55%, excuse me, 56% in favor of the Predators, 56% to 44%. Both teams won for on the power play. Uh, the Predators won for four. The Jackets won for three. Uh, the Predators out hit the Jackets 21 to 13. They tied in the blocks at 11 apiece. 
They tied in giveaways at five apiece. The Jackets had nine takeaways in the game for that one. So the Jackets fall to the Predators by a score of four to three on Monday night. They now head into tomorrow night. And here is the setup for this one. The Predators can clinch a playoff spot tomorrow night at Nationwide Arena with a win against the Jackets or a loss against the Dallas Stars. And that would clinch them a playoff berth into the Stanley Cup playoffs. So it sets up for this. The Jackets can play spoiler tomorrow and they can beat the Predators or what it looks like it could be, the Predators could clinch tomorrow night on Nationwide Arena home ice. So after tonight, the Jackets then will have their final two home games of the season on Friday and Saturday nights against the Detroit Red Wings. 7 o'clock putt drops for both those games. You can get tickets by going to Ticketmaster.com, seeing if there's any available, by the way, or going to any of the third-party ticket representatives like SeatGeek and so on and so on. Uh, so, And that is it, folks. The season ends for the Jackets. And uh, we will have a special edition of All Andy Offer this upcoming Friday. You'll hear some of the fan reaction. We're looking to get a few fans' reactions to this season for them. Um, it, it's just going to be interesting to be back in Nationwide Arena for the first time in over over a year and a half. Really, for me, it's been over two years. Uh, my last physical hockey game that I went to, I saw the Jackets play Detroit in Detroit. And that was the last time I saw the Jackets. And... Uh, Seeing this jacket team, you know, I, I knew it was either going to be when I bought these tickets, either they were going to be in it or they were going to be out of it. And they're definitely out of it. So they're reloading, not rebuilding, is what uh, Yarmo Kekalainen says. I'll see that when I believe it. But the jackets will be making some moves come Saturday after Saturday night and Sunday morning on what Torts is going to what's going to happen with Torts, what's going to happen with the players situation with the captain's situation. We'll get all into that at the end of the season. We still have regular season games still going on after next week, and I'll get to that here in just a second. I found that out very very interesting about that that we the season continues on is because of all the covid games that they have to make up before we get into the playoffs. So that will be interesting. So looking at games some news and notes to pass along to you right here in the NHL going into tonight's play. Uh, great news tonight. If you're an ECHL fan, Michael Hauser, the former Cincinnati Cyclone starting goaltender, made his NHL debut, wins his second, actually wins his second straight with the Sabres against the New York Islanders, making 45 saves in a shootout win at KeyBank Center. So it's great to see an ECHL goaltender propelling and getting a 2-0 mark so far this season. Uh, it looks like Ovechkin is unlikely to play for the Capitals against the Rangers this upcoming Wednesday. Uh, Tom Wilson. Let's talk about Tom Wilson really quick. This guy should be out of the league right now. Plain and simple. He was fined the max for his actions against against. against Paul Pavel Bunicic, but then his actions against Artemi Panarin were not needed. Absolutely not needed. Constant cross-checks to the guy's head. It's another situation where, you know, this guy is honestly a piece of dirt. Let me repeat, a piece of dirt player 
that needs to be taken out of the league. It should be another John Scott situation. It should be gone. It should lead the league. Get out. After his performance on national television, and Panarin is now out for the rest of the season with the Rangers with a lower body injury because of that incident. And also some sad news to report as well. T.J. Oshie, uh, Tim Oshie, T.J. Oshie's father, Tim Oshie, unfortunately passed away. Um, our thoughts and prayers are with the Oshie family in their time of need. And um, it's, a, it's a sad time for him. He was there with, when T.J. won the cup in Vegas a couple seasons ago. And um, our thoughts and prayers are with the Oshie family. With that, so looking at the standings going into today's play and tonight's play with games going on. By the way, give you a scoreboard update: the Hurricanes, a winner, six-three over the Blackhawks. We're five-zero-two mark of the second period. Oilers and Canucks are tied at one. The Sabers, a four-three win over the Islanders. Michael Hauser, the Blue, uh, former ECHL Cincinnati Cyclone goaltender, getting the win. The Devils, a four-three win over the Bru- over the Bruins. Philadelphia falls to Pittsburgh by a score. Of seven to three. So, looking at the standings going into tonight, the rest of tonight's play, here's what it looks like in the Discover Central. It is the Hurricanes at 53 games played, 36, 10, and seven with 79 points. Florida, 54 games played, they're 35, 14, and five with 75 points. Tampa is in third spot at 52 games played, 35, 14, and three with 73 points. And the Nashville Predators holding that fourth spot. They can clinch tomorrow. With a win, and they will be at. They have played 53 games. They're 29, 22, and two with 60 points on the outside. Looking in, are the Dallas Stars at 52 games played, 21, 17, and 14 with 56 games played. The Chicago Blackhawks 53 games played. They're 22, 25, and six with 50 points. Detroit 18, 7, 27, and nine with 45 points. They have played 54 games. The Jackets at 53 games played. They are 16, 25, and 12 with 44 points. By the way, their goal differential is a minus 50. That's terrible. In the Scotiabank North, X is next to the Toronto Maple Leafs there. Played 52 games. They're 33, 13, and 6 with 72 points. Edmonton, 50 games played. They are 31, 17, and 2 with 64 points. Winnipeg, 51 games played. 27, 21, and 3 with 57 points. Montreal, 51 games played. 24, 18, and 9 with 57 points. Outside looking in, I mean, these three teams I don't think are going to get close. Calgary, 50 games played. 22, 25, and 3 with 47 points. Ottawa, 52 games played. 20, 27, and 5 with 45 points. Vancouver at 46 games played. They're 19, 24, and 3 with 41 points. Mass Mutual East looks like this. All four teams have clinched. There's no other positions. So we'll look at the top four. It's all going to be about jostling for position. Pittsburgh holds at the top spot. 54 games played. They're 35, 16, and 3 with 73 points. Washington is 52 games played. They're 33, 14, and 5 with 71 points. Boston is in the third spot at 52 games played, 31, 14, and 7 with 69 points. The Islanders, 53 games played, they're 31, 16, and 6 with 68 points. So those are the top four spots. They have an all clinch. The next closest would have been the Rangers. They're at 26, 21, and 6 with 58 points. 
10 points ahead, they're not going to catch them. And in the Honda West, three of the four positions have been clinched. Vegas holding the top spot at 51 games played. They're 36-13-2 with 74 points. Colorado, 50 games played. They're 34-12-4 with 72 points. Minnesota, 30, 51 games played. They're 33-14-7 with 70 points. And then the fourth spot is up for grabs between Arizona and St. Louis. St. Louis holding the spot now at 50 games played. They're 24-19-7 with 55 points. Arizona, 53 games played. They're 22-25-6 with 50 points. And if you look at the other three teams, L.A., 50 games played, 20-24-6 with 46 points. Uh, the Sharks are 20-26-6 are with 46 points, 52 games played. And the Ducks are 53 games played, 16-30-7 with 39 points. And that is the NHL news and notes for you right here on All Andy Elford as you're listening to All Andy Elford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so much for tuning in. And we are going to now dive a little bit into the NFL draft. We're just going to talk about the Browns and the and the, uh, and the the Lions and their draft picks. We'll talk about that really quickly and talk about the Aaron Rodgers situation as well. Well, let's talk about what happened over on the Lakeshore in Cleveland as it was the NFL 2021 draft that took place over on the banks of Lake Erie. A huge draft for the both the Browns and the Detroit Lions. And we'll start with the Lions first and foremost. They went in the first round and picked offensive tackle Pinnell Sewell from Oregon. I think that's going to be a really good pickup for them. And they went on a pretty much a line basis in rounds two and three. They went in defensive tackle with Levy Owazuri, and then as well as Emil McNeil. Emil McNeil is their third-round pick, the 72nd pick. And they also in the third round, they went uh, cornerback Afil Mintouv at the 101st pick. Their 38th pick of the third round. So good to see that the Lions getting some big picks and helping out on the offensive and defensive line. In the fourth round, they were the seventh pick, the 112th pick. They picked up a wide receiver, Amari St. Brown, as well. In the fourth round, they also had the eighth pick as well. Their eighth pick at the 113th, they've also picked linebacker Derek Barnes as well. And then they did not have another pick until round seven. And they were pick number 30 They at 257. It was running back Jameer Jefferson is the running back that they picked up as well. So the Lions getting a total of two, three, four, five, six, seven picks overall. I think it's going to be very interesting to see what the Lions do in the offseason and who they're going to get to help out Jared Goff as well as the new offensive, the offensive scheme that they have coming into the Lions field. Now let's take a look at the Browns. The Browns went in the first round with the number 26 pick, pick up Greg Newsom, the second cornerback out of Northwestern, a Big Ten guy. I really like this guy. He's a strong, hefty guy. Round two, they got the 52nd pick from Chicago through Carolina. They pick up Jeremiah Osa Konobi, the linebacker out of Notre Dame. This kid is a gem of a pick. It's going to help out that offensive core. 
Round three, they have the 91st pick. They pick up Anthony Schwartz, wide receiver out of Auburn, and that's another dime piece for Baker Mayfield in that offense. Round four, they went and picked up the the defensive tackle, the, excuse me, the offensive tackle, James Hudson from Toledo, Ohio, formerly from Cincinnati University. He went 110th in the fourth round. It's good to see another Luke, uh, a, a local kid getting picked up by the local team here in the market. Good to see that. Also in round four, they've also picked up Tommy Tuglia from the defensive tackle from Ohio State. So the Browns picking up not only one, two, three, but four guys in the Midwest area to help out their offensive scheme. Round five, they got the 153rd pick from the Detroit Lions. They pick up Tony Fields, the second linebacker out of West Virginia. In the fifth round at 169, they pick up Richard LaCourt, safety out of Georgia. And their sixth round pick, their final pick, was Dimitri Felton, wide receiver out of UCLA. Another piece for for Baker Mayfield and his team. I mean, I like it. I really like the picks. So they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight picks overall in the draft. So, you know, we'll see what happens with it. I, I figure that, you know, Hudson will probably make this team. Uh, Schwartz will probably make the team. The the linebacker out of Notre Dame will probably make it. Newsom definitely will make it. So it will be interesting. It will definitely be interesting to see what happens. We're going to get close and close to the start of the schedule to be released, which is coming up in the next two weeks. We're looking forward to seeing what, who and when they're going to be playing each other. The Lions are scheduled to play the Browns this year. Also, the Broncos are scheduled to come into First Energy Stadium as well. So we'll get to see the schedule. And remember, we're getting a second. We're also getting a 17-week season game this year be interesting to see where it happens i think what we were what i was looking at the last time it was that the detroit lions were going to play um the uh i'm not mistaken they were going to play the arizona cardinals in a game in that 17th week game i think the the browns were going to either pay the patriots or they were going to play the they were going to play i believe it was Jacksonville or somewhere in that range. It was a small market team. So it'll be interesting. It will definitely be interesting. And I want to talk a little bit quickly about the Aaron Rodgers situation. Now, Aaron Rodgers comes out the night of round one of the draft and says that he doesn't want to play with the Green Bay anymore. I hear that as a fan and and as a fan of the NFC North division, as a Lions fan, I say good riddance. Because the Lions are been torched by Rodgers ever since he's come into the fold as a Green Bay Packer. And to me, I think it is very, very key that they that if, if Rodgers is unhappy with Green Bay and Green Bay says, well, we're not going to trade you, we're not going to trade you, you, ha- you have to listen to this, this guy. He is a ha- first ballot Hall of Famer. And how Green Bay drafted in their draft, they went for their future. They're not looking at Aaron Rodgers now. And the one team that I see Rodgers going to, to be honest, and how it's kind of built together for Rodgers to come in, is the Denver Broncos. The Broncos went heavy in their offensive line. 
They went heavy in their wide receiving core. The uh, Rodgers likes playing in the mountain area. He was he played in Stanford and in the mountain region of California. He should definitely if he wants to go go. You know, don't put this guy in a in a hole. Don't put this guy in a in a predicament. And you know, it's up to it's up to Aaron. It's up to Shaylin Woodley, his fiance, of what they want to do. The ball is in Aaron's court. If he wants if he wants to go, Green Bay, you're gonna have to bite the bull and let him go. It's plain and simple. If it if and if it doesn't happen that way, you know, and you're gonna lose a lot of he. You're gonna lose a lot of you know fans because of it. Because if a guy doesn't want to play with you, and he doesn't want to play, and it's affecting the team, it's happened here with the Blue Jackets with Pierre Luc Dubois. They moved him out. Does that mess up with the chemistry? Yes. So you might as well get rid of him now so that you could build to next season. To build for the season that's upcoming. Because if you do it during the midseason, it's just gonna be atrocious. It's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be sad. You're gonna become the new Detroit Lions. And I don't want to see that be happening for Green Bay fans because because then I'm gonna be getting the text messages, I'm gonna be getting the tweets, and be like, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? And it's like, I've been in this road before with the Jackets. I've been in this road before with the Lions. I've been in this road with the Ly- with the Tigers. It hurts and it sucks. We just, if you're Green Bay and you're, and you're an Aaron Rodgers fan, just enjoy the rest of this moment because in the next few weeks, we're going to be seeing this, this deal get done. With him either going to Denver, there was a talk of him going to Vegas. I don't think he'll go to Vegas because that is just way too much. I don't think he can run in the Gruden system. I think Denver sets up for him. It'd be another Peyton situation for the Broncos. And Broncos fans want it. Broncos went out and picked up the pieces for him. To lay it out there and say, we've got a young team here. You're a veteran player. You can help and nurture this this quarterback that we have that we drafted. Do it, do it, Aaron. Just go. What does this mean for me as a Lions fan? I'm not gonna be in last place. Go, go. So I'm looking at it as, yes, Packer fans. I know you're feeling bad. I know you're gonna be in last place. But the fan in me and the Lions saying, go. But do what you need to do, Aaron. It's plain and simple. <sighs> plain and simple. As you're listening to All Indie for tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you listen, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you for tuning in. And we're going to slide right into Andy Rance right now. And it is truly great to have baseball back in downtown Toledo. To see the ballpark come back to life and seeing the fans in the stands. However, I will make mention of this really quickly. On my way home from my second job, I was going through downtown. 
and I was going past the tin can. I went back to the cock and bowl. I've gone past the Blarney. I went past all the other locations. I feel like, you know, COVID restrictions, you know, have gotten to us a lot. And today really showed me that, you know, people don't, don't care about the COVID restrictions when they're having a good time, especially when they're having a good time. Cause I was at drove past the tin can and you couldn't stir them with a stick and every single one of them did not have a mask on. Now you can have your mask off while drinking, but nine, nine times out of 10, as I was looking over there, people were just standing around with the beer in their hand, but they weren't drinking it. If you're not going to drink it and not going to finish it, and you're just holding the bottle or holding the door a cup or holding everything, and you want to have a conversation, pop the mask up. Pop the mask up. We are not at herd immunity yet, folks. The state of Ohio has only 32% of its residents fully vaccinated. We have 46% of the state of Ohio is gotten its one dose. Are we going to be anywhere close to having the ballparks at 50% capacity? Do we, we, you fans want the ballparks at 50% capacity. I hear you on Twitter and I hear you on, hear you on Instagram. I hear you on Facebook telling, when are you going to get more seats involved? When are you going to do that? When do you want to, you know, when do you want to go get your second shot? When do you want to put on a mask the whole entire time? Because for me, in my, in the field I work with, Mass complacency is about 95 to 97%. I rarely get people that come in and don't wear them and don't wear a mask and they don't feel comfortable they don't feel comfortable being in a place with a, with wearing not wearing a mask. They all wear a mask. They all come in and 9 times out of 10 they when they come in and they forget their mask on, they immediately go to their purse or go to their pocket and put the mask on cuz you know they feel a lot safer with a mask on. So if you're walking around the ballpark area and you're and you're having the door cup and you're socializing with people and you're not drinking the cup, you're taking the risk of, you know, getting COVID from that other person or the person that's walking with you down walking next to you down the street that doesn't have a mask on. It's the question of like we've mentioned before on this show whether or not, you know, whether or not you want to play a risk, the game of risk with your, with your health. Do you want to play risk with the risk of your health when you're in a closed knit area with nobody wearing mask and they're all consuming beverages? You know, you know, you're, you're consuming beverages that have carbonation. So you're burping. So you got a lot of air that's moving out. What's the chance that the virus, because it is an airborne virus, goes up into your nose, goes up into your immune system, attacks, attacks, attacks. Now, I know a lot of you will have the cards. I have one. That have you say that you're fully vaccinated, you're perfectly fine. But what about that person that doesn't have that shot card yet? What about that? What about the person? You can still get it if you even you get the shot. You know, the variants are still out there. Fauci says it. DeWine says it. The variants are still out there. And with Lucas County being the number one 
county in the state of Ohio with the highest amount of people with the highest amount of risk to get COVID. We have our hospitals in overrun right now. We have we have no not that many people going to get shots in the first place. Why would you take the risk of not wearing a mask while out at the bars on opening day? Why would you take the risk of tailgating on opening day with people that you, if you know your know the people and you know that they're fully vaccinated, great, have a great time, enjoy it. We we deserve it. We've 616 days since the last baseball game at Fifth Field. Enjoy it. But if you're a person that you go to the bar and you sit at the bar or you stand at the bar, and that's another thing. The, the state of Ohio requires you to be seated at all times while having a beer. What about all these bars that are downtown? The Tin Can, the Cock and Bull, the Blarney, Frickers, Firefly, Cock and Bull, and the Dirty Bird. All had standing room only today. And they were all drinking. They're breaking so many of the Ohio state laws regarding a COVID. It's ridiculous. And what was, I, 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 I digress. I digress. I'm just, sometimes I talk just to hear myself talk, but this, with this situation, I don't want to see what today was become what they call the super spreader event. Is that, that one person had COVID went down to the ballpark, went to the tin can, went to the Blarney, or went somewhere else and had a drink and exposed a lot of people. And it ruins it for not only me, it ruins it for the family of four that want to go to the ball game because then they'll shut everything down down there. So when you're out and about through downtown, just, just put on a mask when you're not drinking or eating. Be safe. I know Biden said, the President of the United States said, you don't have to wear a mask when you're outdoors. But you're outdoors with people that you don't know in a close-knit precipitation around. And they're speaking, and they're, the mouth is spraying out. I, I just look at it, and I just say to myself, just use common sense. If you don't feel safe, wear a mask. And if you're not if you're not doing anything, eating or drinking, wear a mask when you're with, with other people that you don't know. If you know the people that you're around, you know that they're vaccinated, then yes, take it off, enjoy yourself. But if you don't know the people around you and you're at the bars and you don't and you're not eating or drinking, then wear a mask. That's all I have to say tonight. That's all I have to say. We'll be back fr- late Friday night for another edition of All Andy Alford. We will be talking about the jacket game on Wednesday. We'll also dive into the Mud Hen games from tomorrow night as well as Thursday and Friday. And also the other games that are happening on the Diamond. And that is going to be all for All Andy Alford tonight. I hope you enjoyed the podcast tonight. I'm going to head in, head upstairs, go into the Bedroom, start packing. It's time to head down to Columbus. Like they, like the song says, there's a road outside Columbus, Ohio. I'm headed there 
tomorrow night. So until then, this is Andy Alford saying, I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together. Game of life. Keep your stick on the ice and make sure you wear a mask. And the teams you root for at home. And my teams. Go Jackets! Even though it's the end of the season. Go Hens! Go Tigers! And go Reds! And go Falcons! Victory is sweetest. When you have tasted defeat, have a great rest of the week, everybody. And I'll talk to you guys on Friday night for another edition of All Andy Alfred. Love you. Talk to you guys then. This has been a presentation of the All Andy Alfred Network powered by Anchor. You have been listening to Andy right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, Bleaker, however you listen, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. And remember, you can follow Andy on Twitter. It is at AllAndyElford. It is at AllAndyElford. Facebook.com slash AllAndyElford. Podcasts are posted every Tuesday and Friday right here on the Anchor Network.